Thanks for tuning in to the CHCA Entrepreneurial Podcast. This is a podcast from Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy and specifically the Entrepreneurship and Sustainability Program, where we are building into the entrepreneurs of the future. I'm your host, Stephen Carter. Today's guest is Bill Rempe. Bill is the president and co-founder of a company called Velvet Hammer Branding, and he's a bit of a branding expert. And this conversation has a lot of fun information and really great insights, not only into business and marketing, but into your personal life and the way that you act as a consumer and the way that you really develop your own brand. One aspect Bill gets into quite a bit is this idea of story and how to truly be a brand that gets higher engagement from consumers you have to develop a story, and that story has to dive into the unmet needs of consumers. Joining me today is Bill Rempe. Bill is the president and co-founder of Velvet Hammer Branding. Bill, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Stephen. I'm excited to be here. So, Bill, I, I just want to read what your website says about Velvet Hammer Branding. I love this this uh, kind of opening. When you go to your website, the first thing that we see is enticing, hard-hitting brand stories. It goes on to say, developing compelling brands that strike with targeted precision. So, can can you just tell us a little bit of background about Velvet Hammer Branding? What is this company? How did you come to found it? What were the motivations? Just give us a little background, if you would. Yeah, so uh, I had been working at a larger global branding firm for a number of years, uh, working with really large brands, global brands that everybody's heard of, a lot of Procter and Gamble brands, and had a couple experiences where you know this entrepreneur idea you know started to really excite me taking my knowledge learning you know what we've worked with with big brands and bringing that making that available to even smaller challenger brands and so a creative director and i from that agency left and started our own thing about 10 years ago and i think the purpose was really to help those brands uh, get even footing in the marketplace and learn how to turn consumers into more passionate followers, followers and engagement uh, of those brands and not just driving preference. And so there's a whole process involved in that, but that's kind of the motivation behind it. And so our roster is uh, pretty diverse of different types of brands we work with, but all in the same hopes and ideas of getting higher engagement between consumers and the brand and not just the products that they make, but really this overall idea of a brand that's behind it. And so just to touch on what you said there, you had a, you know, secure position, bigger company, you know, things going well, and you decide, you know what, let's just go out and, and kind of start off on my own, that entrepreneurship bug. What was that, I mean, what was that conversation like with, with your wife or your family when you're like, you know what, I'm just going to do this? Yeah, it was, uh, I, would, I would say there was a lot of thought and prayers that went into it, of course. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily easy. But, you know, the, the fortunate thing is in the company that I was at, you were able to work somewhat in your own entrepreneurial bubble, if you will, working with certain clients. And I think the hone some skills that gave me some confidence that, we might be able to take this and replicate it and do it on a smaller scale, of course, but to be able to do that. But yeah, it's it it takes a little bit of guts, I'll tell you. I mean, and then the other thing I learned here, and 
you know, your, your students that are following uh, or, or potentially looking to get into some something maybe more entrepreneurial, the things that you do in your job. So in my place, it was managing relationships. I was doing a bit of creative and ad copywriting. Um, you do a little less than that than you think of, and you do a lot more on the business side. So, you know, you had to balance all that. And those are some of the lessons we've learned along the way. But it, it's been a great trip and uh, really enjoying what we're doing. So you mentioned toward the end of your initial description there that you're about getting passionate followers. Your regular consumer is going to buy a product. And, you know, it may or may not be a product the consumer really cares about. It's, it's just fulfilling a need on some level. You're wanting to take that and say, no, you're going to get higher engagement. You're going to be this passionate follower. And I'm, I'm curious, could you just give us an example of a brand, either a brand that you've worked with or, or just a brand that, that, you know, you want to use as an example where that is really something customers can engage with and, and almost rally behind? Yeah, I can, I can contrast a couple here for you. So, you know, at the bigger agency I was at, you know, I was leading the uh, team that worked on Charmin bath tissue. <laughs> and so, you know, everybody who makes about toilet paper probably has a brand that they recognize or maybe a brand that they, they seek out and purchase. And I would say there is a strong preference for that. I've sat through enough focus groups that tell you that people have ideas and thoughts about the toilet paper they use. And uh, you know, some of it is not suitable for dinner time conversation, but uh, it's interesting nonetheless. And I would describe that in, as a preference because if it's not there, it's missed, right? And they will seek it out. But at the end of the day, you're not spending your free time necessarily researching or looking to understand what goes into that process typically. A passionate brand in contrast would be, we work with a company called Plano that uh, makes tackle boxes for fisher, fishermen and anglers, right? And the people are very passionate about how they store their tackle. It's very personal to them. They like to configure it a certain way. They like certain boxes set up this way. And they will do a lot of research and they will put up videos on YouTube on how they're doing this and how they're engaging with the Plano product. And we try to foster in, uh, that idea and encourage that type of exploration with the brand and with the product. And it just takes it to a whole nother level. There's this level of interest that they now have. And that brand is a, has a higher place in their life than just something that uh, meets their criteria as a product. I remember years ago, I had the opportunity to hear um, an executive actually um, from Chick-fil-A talk. And they were talking about this idea of creating raging fans and how you know their goal is to just provide something that becomes a recognizable thing for people to just go after into, into almost where their marketing becomes the consumer telling other people about it and that, that trickle-down effect. And for me, I think about brands like, um, well, like Apple, for instance. I mean, very, very large brand. But when you look at Simon Sinek's um, Start With Why, which many of our students have read, he talks about how Apple... Yeah, I mean, he, Apple has basically taken this brand and, and now consumers have become such raging fans of it that, I mean, they will forever, they're, they're so um, motivated, but they're also so loyal to this brand. And I think Patagonia is another example that, that I've come across that's like, you know, you you trust the company and you want to be associated with that company and you want to tell other people about it. So my question for you, and, and this is obviously a loaded question, but I mean, what does the process look like for you? to go about creating that kind of brand loyalty or, or customer engagement? It, it is a process, as you said. And I think the biggest uh, starting point 
is understanding the consumer and what they're looking for. What is their motivation? And then the, the next big piece of this is developing a story for your brand. You know, we think of a brand as an identifier and even a promise of what the consumer can come to expect. All that is true. But I think if you elevate that, it's also setting up an experience in which the, the consumer can engage. And that starts with a story. So, you know, your background obviously is in English and I know you've got a lot of experience here, um, but you know, once you associate with that and you have that powerful thing, it's not just the sum of certain features and benefits or products that a brand has, but it's telling you something and you want to connect with it, whether that's something you aspire to be involved with, or it's, uh, you know, something that feels like, hey, this brand just gets me, they understand it. When you can develop a, a, an interaction like that, then your connection is stronger than, you know, where the market price points would be. You seek this product and these brands out. Uh, they become essential to what you do. So a lot of the examples that you gave is like, there are people that uh, could not imagine working on another computer than an Apple. They've just come to see that that is something that connects with me. I feel the same. I like their, their, their aesthetics. I like the way they organize. I like how they speak to me and some of their messaging. And I couldn't use another computer because it just would be subpar. And that goes beyond you know, whether I can get it on a deal or whether there's some new feature that Apple may not have currently. It's still not enough to win me over because I feel that connection that's there. As an English teacher, I, I love this part of branding because stories, I mean, well, stories connect with everybody. That's always the best part about being an English teacher is you're, you're teaching stories and you're teaching the art of the story and helping students understand story. And at the core of the story is that hero's journey. You know, you've, you've got the hero who sets out and encounters obstacles, and there's a mentor along the way. There's that guide. There's the abyss. There's all these parts that make up these great stories. And um, I had the opportunity to um, listen to something Donald, Donald Miller, the author of Story Brand and the creator of Story Brand, said a while ago, which is he has seen a lot of success in businesses who switch the focus from the business being the hero to the consumer being the hero in that story. And, you know, we're here as the guide or the mentor to help you along your heroic journey and how that's kind of a, a switching point for many companies along the lines of their brand. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And, um, and that's why I said, you know, starting with that consumer and understanding, you know, what are their unmet needs? What are the things in their lives or in this category that they're, you know, considering your product? You know, what, what are they facing? What do they want? And a short, quick example I can give you is, you know, we were doing some work a while back with Wilson baseball gloves and lots of different things came out of that work that, uh, you know, were really uh, groundbreaking for us in terms of how we move forward working with clients. But one was we, we looked at the competitors and you've got lots of great products out there between the two main ones, between Wilson and Rawlings all have a great history, all are very involved with the, with the baseball game, all have great pros that are on their uh, roster of, of pro staff. And so they were very similar. It was hard to differentiate. Rawlings at the, at the time was taking a position of, you know, they were talking as we are the authority, we are the best and we have the best players. Wilson was like, well, we do too, but that sounds like the same message. How do we differentiate? How do we get them to think of us a little bit differently and maybe give ourselves an advantage? And it came down to if, if we changed our message a little bit of being more shoulder to shoulder with the player versus talking top down to them, if you will, it became really interesting because this is now a brand that follows the journey of a player. 
And baseball, especially at the time, was a bit more unique of leveling up. You had different leagues that you moved through in order to get to the big leagues. And that was just a much more compelling position, in our opinion, to take that you are the brand that's going with them through each level of play than just being, hey, we're the ones that the pros trust. It just made it more meaningful. So when you talk about these unmet needs of consumers and you're working on understanding their motivations, does that process for you involve customer interviews? Does that involve, uh, I mean, what, what, what does that market research or market validation look like on your end? It, it can come in lots of different forms. I mean, I think we always start with the client as the, the people that are closest to their consumer. They may have some blind spots because they're working on, you know, from, a, from an office environment, but under, <clears throat> excuse me, understanding you know, what their thoughts are about their consumers, what they know is the first step. And then we'll fulfill that uh, even more with uh, some different research. We do a lot of qualitative research where we're talking with consumers, asking them the questions and really getting to, I think what that research does is a lot of why, answering the question, why do you do this? Why do you like this? Why is this important to you? And then sometimes we'll also do a quantitative study and that just gives you bigger numbers. So you're knowing, you're learning that not just seven people in a focus group that I talked to feel this way. I've been able to ask that question a little bit more broadly and I'm finding a trend here that this is where consumers, where their mind space is at the moment. So when you have a company that you, you've, been, you've been doing this work with, let's say it's a company that has been around a little while, but is wanting to redo its image. So now we're looking at the rebranding, not just a company that's starting up and wanting to create that, but we're going to just, you know, almost pivot and, and switch the way this company is perceived. What are some of the challenges that come along with that when you have a previous brand that wasn't working or not engaging, and now you're trying to introduce this new one? How do you figure out how to do that delicately enough to not jar the consumer, but, you know, enough to actually make the brand work? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I think you, you kind of said it right when you said, how do you do this without jarring it? Because you can move a brand and sometimes, you know, whether it's, hey, I'm getting into new categories, I'm offering new products, or there's just been a change in the consumer. You know, it's just not the same consumer it used to be. And we've got to now pivot and do something differently in order to engage with them. So you need to do those things, but it's hard to do it 100% new because you have a history, you have a culture. And so we try to say that wherever you go, you still have to be authentic to where you came from. And so I can give you one example of where we, you know, you learn to just push things in, the, in a different direction. There is a, uh, another uh, fishing rod company that we, we work with called St. Croix. And they are probably known by most anglers as one of the best brands, a premium brand. But their communication and the way they had been talking about uh, themselves was a very kind of an everyman. Like, hey, we just like to fish. Oh, hum, we're humble. You know, we're a little bit folksy. And it did nothing, said nothing about the quality of the product. The product was, was uh, first rate. But the way they were communicating it kind of left a little bit of a, a void, I think, with a lot of consumers, a lot of people that were really into fishing. So as we started getting into the, the discussions with them, we learned that a lot of it was a carryover of the, the family that started the business. They were very humble, salt of the earth type people, which is something that you need to take into consideration. But they were afraid to embrace this idea that they were actually the best rods that you can get. 
And so we try to show them through the, through the uh, kind of the process of storytelling that if you tell your story more from a ruler's perspective, not that you're bragging, but you're the authority, you've been in this business, you know how to make these rods better than anyone else. People want that. They want to know that your, your product is putting them in control of their pastime into the sport that they really love. And they will embrace that. And it doesn't mean you have to be arrogant about it. You can still have a slight bit of humility, but embracing the role that you are the best was something that really was a difference for them. And so now they are, their tagline even is the, the best rods on earth now. And it's really had a different uh, kind of a, a big uh, step change here in, in how they are now working uh, as a business as well. So with a business like that, in that example, you, you rebrand, you create this idea that we're going to unite the company around, and then it's time to get that message out. And so you're looking at all these different forms of, of media, these different forms of marketing. How do you decide where to put the money, especially in today's day and age, which is run so largely by social media, by influencers, and it's just a completely different dynamic than it was even, you know, 15 years ago. How, where, where do those decisions and, and things originate? Yeah. And, and, you know, every client has their own budget challenges and, uh, you know, audiences that they need to meet. But I think you're exactly right. I mean, the, the switch from just traditional broadcast media to more social media just continues to move in that way. And it doesn't mean that you're, you're going to be uh, completely out of just getting that message to larger audiences. But I think your more meaningful interactions are happening on the social level. So, you know, if you are the best rod on earth, and back in our case with, uh, with St. Croix Rods, you know, you're finding pro staff anglers and equipping them with the product and letting them understand what goes into it. So as they tell their story to uh, their fans and the people that follow them, it's just a much more credible message. And so we, we like to push that way. Again, it, it kind of depends on the challenge. If, if awareness, for example, is, is one of the big things that you're working on, there's still a place for a lot larger broadcast type uh, plays, but largely that all has to be supported with something that's coming from the ground up in, in terms of social media. So when we think about all these different aspects of branding that you're talking about, when it's whether it's rebranding, whether it's creating the story or understanding the place in the story, how to communicate that story and that vision, there's a couple aspects to this from the big picture that I would like to get your take on when it comes to just why branding in the first place. And, you know, I, I know a lot of this goes back to just aspects of marketing and aspects of business and a business has to make money. I mean, in order to be a business, it has to stay in business. So it has to sell its product to a consumer. So it has to market to a consumer. But in the bigger picture, is branding, you know, really just all about selling a product or is there more to this? What's the larger why behind the whole idea of branding a company or branding a business? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's still a place for getting your message out. So part of that is always going to be there in terms of how advertising and uh, branding go hand in hand. But I think what you find is that, you know, people just engage more when they know it is a brand that represents something bigger than just the product. I mean, you could just look at Coca-Cola and Pepsi. I mean, they probably chemically are 99.9% .9 the same but you'll have people that are rabid fans of one and they detest the other, right? And so that all is about the perception, that story that is wrapped around that product. And so I think that the, the short answer is 
I think people just want to connect with a brand more than they do a product. And so, you know, you have those ideas of what you represent and then you message around that. And that's how those things work together, if that answers your, your question. It does. And it sounds like a lot of this comes down to identification in the, in the sense of creating your own identity. Many of us create that identity, but then find like-minded people through brand connection. Um, you, you use the example of um, the fishing rods or there's, there's all kinds of other industries where people are really passionate and then they find their like-minded, passionate people through that, that brand connection. And it almost becomes part of their personal identity, which kind of leads me in, into a, a, another area that I would like your, your take on, Bill. And, and that is, you know, the, the idea of branding applied to one's personal life. When you think about how you yourself are on some level um, a brand or, or you're, you're constantly marketing something, your aspects of, of who you are forming your identity. What are some takeaways since you're in the industry? I mean, you, you have a company that focuses on branding. What are some takeaways for you about how branding or the concepts behind it can be influential principles in a person's life? That's a very interesting question. And uh, yeah, the, the principles are true. You know, I, I sometimes think like, boy, individuals have so much complexity to it, to them, that it, it's difficult to just say, hey, you are this type of a brand as a person, right? There's Because you overlap into so many different areas. You know, you've got, you know, the professional side of you, the friend side of you, the family side of you. So I, I think there's, I want to make some distinction that I, I think it's not quite as simple as marketing a brand that really fits really uniquely into a category, because we, we kind of expand beyond that. But the principles are very similar. Like, how do people come to know you? What are the core motivations that you hold dear? What are those those uh, key principles that you value? I mean, those things should be should be in the at the core of who you are, and then how you express from that is going to tell a lot about who you are. So, I think as, as far as managing your, managing yourself as a brand, you know, do I am I consistent in how I treat people? Am I, uh, you know? Do I have the same perceptions to others in, in all different parts of my life? It's a very complex thing, but but you can see how managing that is very much the same as managing a, a brand for a product. It is, and there's a, there's so many fascinating connections. I, I remember just as an anecdote, when I was in going into 10th grade, we, we moved, and I was going to be starting a new school. And I, I didn't really know the wording at the time, but I remember just deliberately thinking to myself, like, I can create on some level, this, this new version that I want people to take away from me, I can completely change. I, I can, I can change the way I dress. I can change, you know, the things I put forth and looking back, that was kind of like an opportunity to rebrand to say like, this is, this is a chance to kind of start over. But many times I think we try to rebrand our lives. I mean, especially, you know, many of our listeners are in high school in college and this idea of identity and creating brand awareness around oneself is so key and so pivotal in their lives right now. I think what you said about the core motivations that lead a person are so important. And it reminds me of one of those um, effective habits from Stephen Covey's book, Seven um, Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about how you need to have a personal mission statement. Um, not just a mission statement for your work that you put on the wall and no one really reads, but what's, what is the principal mission that is guiding your life? 
And I, I'm curious, to what extent have has your work with branding coincided with either mission statements or vision statements? Yeah, that, that's a, a great way. And, and there's a lot of different names that uh, you know you get around in marketing, and there's different thoughts behind this, and they'll call it a mission statement or a purpose statement. We tend to work with uh, you know a story format that that really outlines a few different things. It, it outlines some of the beliefs that ideally we share with our consumers. So the brand shares these beliefs with these consumers. Based on those shared beliefs, we have a set of values. And those are things, our principles that lead us. But the two areas that I think we focus on the most would be helping a brand understand what their purpose is. And a purpose answers that question, as you talked about from Simon Sinek, the why. Why do you do what you do? And I think today's age, I think people want to leap to that being a very philanthropic uh, idea, which is great. If that works in with your brand, I would, would say definitely embrace that. But it, it can even be as like, you know, I am passionate about getting people outdoors to enjoy things that they otherwise wouldn't. That could be a suitable purpose statement. And that's beyond the products that you make. Uh, that is beyond, uh, you know, technologies that you're embracing. It's really saying why you do it. And then you follow that with a promise statement that often is a little bit more specific about what you do. Because I, and I'm making all this up, because I value getting people outdoors to learn those things that you can't learn inside, that's why I make the best clothing that is suitable for all temperatures and uses the best technology to give people the best experience they can outside. So those are how those things work hand in hand. This, I mean, this, this falls completely within a lot of the discussions we've been having. And I love how you broke this down just to kind of recap for our listeners. So you sit down and you say, look at these shared beliefs, beliefs that we have as a company that we believe our consumers have, and that's going to lead into values. And these values or principles are going to be really guide many of the things we do as a business, many of the things that most likely our, our, our consumers do. But then that is going to lead, as you said, to helping a brand understand its purpose understanding its why. And so often, well, maybe not so often anymore, but it seems like for a while, there were many businesses or many brands that had a product, but not necessarily a why. Can you give us either a real life example or, or maybe just break down how you would do this? If I came to you and I have a business that I'm trying to start up and it's, it's for, um, I, I, let, let's say uh, it's, it's for equipment for podcasting. Okay. And I want to sell some podcasting equipment because it's COVID and there's more podcast people. There's more people on zoom and so on. And I'm like, okay, Bill, I, I want to sell these microphones. I want to sell a kit. I want to sell these things to consumers. And then you say to me like, well, what's, what's you know, your purpose? What's the why that's really driving you? And I'm like, I haven't thought about that. What do you do to help me or help your, your, your um, client get to the heart of that? Why? Yeah, I, I think it starts with with having a discussion, and, and I think under a you know just a few questions or a you know, few few minutes of talking with you, I'd probably find out something around the fact that, boy, I just feel that we have everyone has a voice, and that voice needs to be heard. And before you know you know this last decade, we didn't really have a platform to do it. I'm embracing this idea of self-expression, and that's what's driving me. My purpose is to give everybody the means to let their voice be heard. So that could be something around your purpose. And then you would follow that up and say, well, what is it that I'm promising? I'm promising the most, 
uh, highly uh, technical, the technically advanced, reasonably priced podcasting uh, gear for everybody to use so that they can now you know, be heard. I love that. that so you, you just like, like you, listen, I, I hope you got that listeners. He, he just, I mean, he just laid this out. He just did exactly that. You know, this idea of I, I'm selling podcasting equipment. Well, you know, so what, you know, but that's not what I'm selling. I'm selling you the chance for your voice to be heard, for you to have individual expression. Oh, by the way, I also sell microphones. And that's, yeah, that that's this idea. And, and I, I remember Simon Sinek using that with Apple where it's like, you know, we sell the chance to go against the system, to be yourself, to be an individual. Oh yeah, we also sell computers. And I, I think that, you know, to your point all along, that's what resonates with consumers. That's what gets us excited. You know, I'm not gonna get excited about buying a microphone, but if, if you're like, hey, this gives you a chance, consumer, to go out and let your voice be heard, to share your thoughts with the world, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I wanna buy that microphone. That's exciting. Yeah, and well, what's also important is it doesn't diminish the, the logical side of your brain, right? Because you definitely are at some level are gonna process, well, okay, so I love this vision of this brand that's selling podcasting equipment, but you know, does it have the features that I need? Does it uh, meet the technical specs that are gonna be required? That doesn't go away. I think it's just the order you tell it. I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, when you're you know buying something that's important to you, so say you're you're in the market for buying a car. You know, what's gonna really start that thought process is likely not gonna be, hey, I just did a sort on what cars have the best gas mileage or what has the best safety equipment. All of which are both or both of those are which are very important, but it's probably something that's gonna catch your eye first. Right. What does that car look like? Oh, that was really sharp. And, you know, is that feel like I could see myself in that? And then once you've got that engagement, you support that with that logical side right now. Oh, by the way, you know, it fits five people, which is important for your family and it gets good gas mileage. And it, uh, you know, is made by a company that you respect and, and has values you share and is socially responsible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So so all those things come into play. But I think there is always that human element of engagement with a story. You know, that just always comes first. I think you're absolutely right. And, and that that sounds like it, it hits us on so many levels. And it kind of makes me think even during this conversation, how many times a day companies are vying for our attention to engage with them. And we really do pick and choose the ones that we become excited about and that we become passionate about. And, and usually it is because of how their brand reaches us and how it involves in our personal lives. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. And I think there, there's something about uh, where branding is going today. Like if I think of it on a spectrum, because brand, branding is interesting. You know, you could have several right answers if you ask somebody what, what a brand is, right? You know, it started as an identifier and probably back when you were marking cattle and saying, hey, this is my cattle. That's not your cattle. And then it became a differentiator because, you know, you're starting to make products and you want people to know that this is your product and you put something extra special into it versus the others. And you're driving that differentiation. And then it becomes something of a promise like, hey, you should expect certain things from my brand because I believe in these things. And that's starting to elevate it and get it on a more emotional level. And now we're in a place where it's about the experience and you have means to understand these brands that you haven't before. You can, with a matter of a couple clicks, understand, you know, who's running this business? What are they supporting? You know, what are their things that they value? 
And it's to a point where I believe consumers are demanding that. It's not just, you know, uh, you know, hey, I kind of like that brand and, and they happen to, to fit with me. It's like I'm seeking out brands that do these things. And it's just turn the table. It's, it's a very interesting environment to be in right now. Because you know, sometimes you'll say like, well, what is your brand that makes uh, uh, cookies have to do with, uh, you know, some other social issue that's going on, but consumers want to know. And it, it puts brands in a very interesting place right now. I imagine. And for some brands, that probably gives them an edge. And for others, it probably has a lot of anxiety for them now. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. And uh, I think everybody's kind of sorting that out. And, uh, you know, you, you can never be all things to all people. And I think that's a lesson in branding. And one of the things that you, you read a kind of our statement at the beginning, and we like to hit with, with precision. And what we mean by that is we need to understand who the consumer is and design for that consumer that is you're really going to win with. Because if you try to go so broadly, you're going to fall and really not be meaningful to anyone. So that's the risk. You know, but at the same time, it's like, well, if I get too specific, am I, you know, alienating a good size of the market? And I got to really balance that. So it's it's bringing in a lot of interesting challenges. It sounds like it. And you, you already talked about how, I mean, branding has changed so much just within the last few years. And looking ahead to this particular direction branding is taking, what sort of challenges do you foresee in the future of branding, marketing, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road when many of our listeners themselves will be involved in this process, whether they're starting their own business or so on? What, what, what do you kind of see on the horizon for branding, you know, down the road? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think what I just mentioned is probably the thing that's going to continue to develop is that, you know, you are not just able to create a product and put it out there and expect it just to do well on its own. You know, you have to go through the craft of, of developing a why you are in business and understanding that, but then maybe more so realizing that's gonna become more and more important to consumers moving forward than it's ever been before. So perhaps, you know, your, your why you do things becomes more important than the, than the products that you're making. So I, I think it's, you know, that that's just something I see as a trend that's gonna continue to move forward. and. As I, as I mentioned, I mean, the access to information, you know, we have that we never had before. So you understand how people are doing it. The, the, other, the other thing that might uh, be an interesting thing to watch in terms of branding is, you know, the use of influencers uh, because they are becoming the voice of your brand and they have such great followings. And when it works, it's great. What happens if that person or that influencer deviates a little bit from your values, but is still talking? How does that reflect your brand? How do you control that when you've now created an army of somewhat independent people telling your message versus you controlling that message? Uh, so that that is going to continue to be an interesting dynamic as well. Definitely, interesting being the keyword there. That that sounds uh, like it adds a lot of a lot of uh, craziness to the to the game. Well, uh, as we start to wrap up here, Bill, I, I had a couple questions for you. Like I said, our listeners are in different walks of life and at different stages in their journeys. At what point did you come to realize that this was a field that was a passion for you? And, you know, like, how did you end up on, on the path leading toward branding? Great question. I, I think what captivated me early on, even as a kid, was I just... <laughs> I liked advertising. Uh, so maybe it says a lot about me. I didn't have a whole lot going on for me. So I watched a lot of TV. Right? <laughs> a lot of commercials. Sure. <laughs> so I saw a lot of commercials. 
And uh, it was always intriguing to me on how commercials would be entertaining at the same time they would be informative. And then somewhere down the line, you know, the, the question of, well, you know, why are they doing it that way? Why do, why do I start to care about one brand more than another? And this could be something I'm, I may have no personal involvement with. I'm just judging by the commercials that I see. I'm like, I like that tone of voice that they are using. They're really funny. They're better than that other competitor that's a little bit dry. You, know, you start to make some judgments just by the communications. And that intrigued me in how you did that. So you went on and, and I started into communications and in college. And that's what uh, kind of lulled me into the, into the marketing side. But branding is a special corner of that. And uh, there's just something that's really intriguing to me about understanding the strategy of how to you know, be perceived the way you want to be perceived. And it, it really embodies you know, as much strategy as the creative element. Now, there's certainly that creative thing because everything from even, you know, we do a lot of design work at our company. So how do you take that strategy and turn that into an identity or a logo that represents in one simple symbol, you know, a little bit of what you're, you know, maybe it's the tip of the iceberg, but a little bit of that strategy that you, you want people to understand about you. And then how do you build on that in terms of your packaging and your website and everything else? So it really becomes this intricate layers of communication. Every little, we, we kind of say this to our clients, like every little touch point should be building your story. Even if you think it might be insignificant, it's not. You know, And that goes from the strategy we talked about to even the tactical things of using colors consistently and fonts consistently. Those little details matter. So I, I guess, you know, I'm telling you what engages me and how I got here, but any advice as far as people that are interested in this, I just, you know, just be observant. It, it's fun to see how brands are now telling their story. Now, you might not look at uh, commercials ever the same way when you start to try to dissect them and say, well, what are they? Boy, they're about overcoming challenges. That's, they're kind of telling that hero story. Another brand's going to come and say, boy, they just want to hang out with you. You know, it's like a, a Snickers ad, right? Snickers just wants to hang out and make you not grumpy. He wants to satisfy you. That, that's a very different story than these others are telling. And so, you know, you can start to see a little of the science that goes in with the art of, of some of the communication. And I, and I just keep your eyes open and that's going to help you if you're starting your own business or figuring out where to position yourself. Excellent. And great advice for those starting out. Um, kind of as a final question, and I want one possibly for some reflection for you. Um, if, if you could go back to you know a stage along your journey, let's say it's it's the high school version of yourself, the college version of yourself, and kind of give yourself a heads up to avoid either one obstacle or one mistake that you made along the way, or or a perception you had maybe that was off. Um, what would that particular help be that you would give to your past self? Well, I don't know if if this is going to be meaningful for a lot, but I, I think like sometimes you want to be so creative in the delivery of your message that you kind of lose what you're actually communicating. Right. So I, I think we probably can all you know, recall a, a commercial and then realize like, boy, we don't even know what the, the product was that they were advertising, but that was really funny. I really enjoyed that. And so I, I think some of it is like just remembering <laughs> 
you know, what it is that you're trying to convey, keep the first things first, and then let the, let the, uh, the wrapper around it uh, be something that supports that a bit more than trying to create your own narrative, if that makes any sense. It does. And that's wonderful advice to our listeners. And just to return to, to something you mentioned um, a little bit ago, for companies and even for individuals, the idea is to actually be perceived the way you want to be perceived. And I think that's, that's key and, and a great takeaway from this discussion. And Bill, I want to thank you for your time because this is invaluable information, a great insight into your industry and, and also so many ways that we can apply this to our lives as consumers, as individuals, and uh, potentially as future entrepreneurs. So Bill, thank you very much. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Stephen. That concludes this episode of the CHCA Entrepreneurial Podcast with special guest Bill Rempe from Velvet Hammer Branding. Support of this podcast is made possible through sponsorships to the CHCA Entrepreneurial and Sustainability Program, and more information about that can be found at chca-oh.org and look for the Entrepreneurship and Sustainability page. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a favorable review wherever you listen to podcasts and tune in for more to come from the CHCA Entrepreneurial Podcast.